Well, it's an interesting week ahead. Are you ready for it? Okay, it might start quietly today with the UK out of action for the Queen's funeral, but we have the Fed, the Bank of England, the Bank of Japan, and other central banks. Uh, to get through those, we have to navigate through various public holidays in various places. Plus, the UN General Assembly meets. Could Putin lose a few allies this time around? It could be the perfect storm this week, but today is the calm before that. It's Monday, the 19th of September, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, last week didn't end well, did it? Well, look, if you invested in US shares, it wasn't a good week overall because the Nasdaq lost almost 5.5% last week, eradicating any gains that it's made since July. The S&P 500 wasn't far behind, losing 4.8% over the week, uh, losing 0.7% on Friday alone, when, incidentally, the Nasdaq lost 0.9% and the Dow almost half a percent, uh, and the Dow finished the week 4.1% down. But it's not just the US. The DAX was down 1.7% on Friday, 2.6% over the week. The ASX 200 down 1.5% on Friday and 2.25% over the week. And in China, the CSI 300 down 2.35% on Friday. Bond yields didn't show a lot of movement at the end of the week, except for Aussie 10 years, which were up more than 11 basis points on Friday, up almost 19 over the week. That's five basis points more than the rise in US 10-year treasuries. But the action in the US, of course, was at the front end of the yield curve. 10-year treasuries were up 14 basis points last week over the week. Two years were up 31 basis points. In the UK, 10-year gilt yields are up only four basis points over the week and down on Friday. And German 10-year bond yields up six basis points over the week, also down a little on Friday. Only a slight move in the US dollar on the DXY index on Friday, but it was up 0.7% on the week and still a fair bit of movement in other currencies at the end of the week. Japanese yen was up 0.4% on Friday. The Aussie dollar up 0.2%. Actually, the Kiwi was up 0.4%. But a bad day for the pound, which was down 0.4%. But overall, a bad week for the the Aussie dollar, unless you, of course, you like it weak. It lost 1.8% last week, hitting a low uh, of 66.7 US cents on Friday. And commodities generally down. Brent was up 0.6% on Friday, but down 1.6% over the week, finishing at 91.35. WTI lost 1.9% last week, and iron ore was down 4.8% over the week as well. So what a week it was, and it has the potential to be just as volatile this week. Here's NAB's Ray Atrill in Sydney. So Ray, you know, we've got the Fed meeting this week. We've got the Bank of England. We've got the uh, Bank of Japan. We've got uh, central banks for Switzerland, Norway, Sweden, all wondering just how hard they should go to beat inflation, or in the case of Japan, whether they should do anything at all. Uh, so it's going to be a heck of a week, I think, isn't it? It certainly is, and also a week with so many um, holidays, obviously, uh, you know, commencing today, um, you know, for the Queen's funeral, but also Japan and Canada is out, and uh, holidays interspersed throughout the week. So from a liquidity point of view, um, that the risk is that that will further amplify, you know, whatever impact we do see from those various central bank meetings, which obviously loom large. But yes, but uh, listening to your intro and uh, all the, the carnage that was wreaked last week, um, you know, we, we start, you know, we're using the word data dependency probably with a bit too much frequency these days. But, you know, pretty much this whole, the moves across all asset prices last week was all due to the fact that one particular number, US CPI, came in, what, 03 higher than expected on the core measure. And, and that pretty much tells the tale of, uh, of the whole week's volatility. And uh, say so with so many central banks meeting and, and potentially illiquid markets, uh, who's to say we're not going to be in for uh, another wild ride this week? Yeah, well, there wasn't a lot of data around on Friday, was there? But let's get that out of the way very quickly. So we had uh, economic sentiment from the University of Michigan. We also had UK retail sales. So the Uni of Michigan uh, economic sentiment rose a little, but it's still well below 100. So it's, it's not good. 
uh, but a slight fall in the inflation expectations, curiously, down to 2.8%. But 2.8%, I mean, there's optimism for you. Well, um, if you go back to pre, um, not pre-GFC, but pre-pandemic periods, that uh, is the five to 10-year inflation expectation, consumer inflation expectations reading, I should say, so it's consumer sentiment, um, was mm. uh, around 2.5%. And we peaked at about 3.1%. Um, you know, back sort of earlier in the year. So, um, so to some extent, coming down from three point one to two point eight doesn't sound a lot, but it's it's the direction of travel I think that is important. To say we're only three tenths or so off, um, you know, off off what the long term trend has been. So it does <clears throat> suggest that there is a degree of confidence that you know the Fed is going to do what it takes to bring inflation down much closer to the two percent target so uh you know, and the, the message wasn't lost on markets so uh you know after the the shock of, of uh, last week's cpi number you know had that number gone back above three percent for example i think it would have further frightened the horses so um it is uh, and right. it certainly did uh, have an impact in sort of calming certainly the longer end of the u.s treasury market so what do they have say, to do actually. to get it down to that level well, there's a, a piece in the ft a survey of economists over the over the weekend two-thirds said they expect the fed rate to peak somewhere between 4 and 5%, but another 20% said more than that. Only 14% are actually saying between 3 and 4%. So uh, I presume we, we can assume those 14% all work for the Fed. Uh, but uh, the rest of it, I mean... <laughs> no, I well, it, it is interesting because, uh, because you know, that, that was a survey that um, really of, of academia, 44 academics polled by... Um, the Financial Times in conjunction with the University of Chicago. Uh, and separately, there's another uh, survey that I happen to participate in by um, an ex-Fed uh, and, and market economist called Macroeconomic Perspectives. Um, and there's a little bit of a contrast. I'd say that market economists and traders are a little bit less uh, fearful of, of just how far the, the, the rate will rise. But both of them you know, think that the uh, you know, it, the Fed funds rate is certainly going to peak north of four percent. Um, interestingly, on the academic survey, um, that effectively, you know, two thirds of them don't expect the Fed to be cutting rates at least until twenty twenty four, and that's still pretty much the message that I think we'll hear from the dot plot that we get out of the Fed on on uh, on Wednesday night, Thursday morning, our time. That uh, whatever the the, the, the the dot plot, sh- however it shifts. We're likely to see the 2023 median Fed dot higher than the N22 one, which may just bang home that message that as things stand, uh, the Fed certainly doesn't expect to be lowering rates at the back end of next year, which is still, to some extent, is priced by the market. The N2023 um, you know, market-implied Fed funds rate is still lower uh, than the peak that is expected in Q1 next year, which incidentally has gone from what just uh, south of four percent to four point was it four point four four something mm. like that I think uh, as of Friday's close, so almost a fifty basis point uh, ratchet higher in the so-called terminal Fed funds rate. So uh, the whole shape of that money market curve is very much beholden to what the Fed wants to tell us on Wednesday night. Right, and we will cover it on Thursday morning, even though it's a public holiday, one of those many public holidays this week. It's a public holiday in Australia and it's a public holiday in, on Friday in Victoria as well, isn't it? Just to add to it all. Uh, but we will, our team in London will be covering uh, the Fed on, on Thursday morning, so we'll be publishing the podcast as normal. And, but what is uh, the... and the risk of offending two-thirds of our listeners go swans on, uh, on the weekend. <laughs> right, so um, <laughs> what's the expectation for Thursday now? I mean, it was about, what, priced in about 25% chance that they will go 100 basis points. Is that still where it sits? It pretty much. I think it's about 20%. And just going back to that poll, I think to 10% of the academics uh, 
uh, polled. Um, sorry, sorry, going back to the macroeconomic perspectives uh, poll, I think you've got about yeah. 10% of those 120 people surveyed are expecting 100 basis points this week, mm. but the large majority 75. expecting 75. So I think yeah, it's all going to be about the... Um, the dot plot, and I think the messaging that comes out of the mouth of uh, Fed Chair Powell. Yeah, and then, of course, we've got the Bank of England. We had uh, the other data point was retail sales on Friday in the UK. So not so resilient this time. Uh, they fell 1.6% month on month, so down 5.4% year on year. This was quite a bit more than expected, wasn't it? And if, this is based on value, is uh, not no, quantity, I should say, not value. So yes. actually, if you look at the amount spent, that was actually up. Uh, coincidentally, up 5.4%, but the volume was down 5.4%. So people are buying less but paying more, basically. No, absolutely. And, and th- th- it was, a, you know, it was a, a big miss as well. So if you look at yeah. the, the, the numbers taking out uh, petrol effectively, which can really distort the numbers both in volume and value terms, uh, down 1.6% on the month. Uh, it was expected to be down 07 uh, And that was the, uh, you know, the, the prime reason why sterling has actually fallen further uh, you know, below its uh, its post nineteen eighty five lows. So, you yeah. know, we've been talking about the wheels coming off the UK economy for a while. Now, I guess we can say, look, these these numbers that that are August obviously predate the um, election of, uh, of of Liz Truss to the prime ministership, and obviously the the pledge that has come, you know, in terms of capping energy prices. Um, you know, and that's the threat of that was clearly having a major impact on. Uh, on consumer sentiment, and, and we do await details, hopefully later this week, uh, mm. of exactly what the plans are and the funding thereof. Which is, you know, if we want to talk about, you know, what are the downside risks for sterling from already depressed levels? It really is whether or not international markets will take fright at the prospect of the amount of uh, additional gilt issuance that uh, that is going to be coming down the pipe to fund this. But um, yeah, tax cuts as well. So that you know, that there could be thirty billion pounds in tax cuts as well, uh, which mm-hmm. uh, reversing all the rises that Rishi Sunak had, had introduced. No, absolutely. Um, yeah, certainly. I mean, it's not you know a sterling crisis is certainly not baked in the cake, and there are some strong arguments. You know, both sides, and uh, you know, and the Bank of England, if it does decide that it's going to uh, to rein back its plans for quantitative tightening, will certainly be on the other side of the gilt supply mm. demand equation. But uh, it's going to—I think—it's an issue that's going to be running and running, and, and then is going to be something of a, of a threat to uh, to confidence in uh, in sterling in UK markets. But uh, I think that's probably going to be for another week. Yeah, well, well, and just to add to that, perhaps lack of confidence. Those numbers that is, are going to be presented by Kwasi Kartang is the yeah the the new Chancellor supposedly haven't been uh, given the going over by the Office for Budget Responsibility, which is what normally happens when you have a budget or a mini-budget, as this has been called this week. So, uh, look, the the numbers we saw out of China uh, last week, perhaps a little bit more promising, although they're still persisting with their lockdowns there. But retail sales up in August, the same for industrial production, a slight increase in fixed asset investment. So that's all good, surely. And yet, uh, you know, you look at iron ore prices last week, way down. I think the iron ore... It probably tells a better story than the numbers, to be honest. Um, you know, the problem with, let's say, the problem with the numbers, yes, they did sort of beat expectations. Uh, they were certainly flattered by some sort of favourable base effects from uh, the year ago numbers. But um, I think more pertinent, uh, those that have sort of run the slide rule um, over them and then have done their seasonal adjustments on the numbers have worked out exactly what happened on the month, concluded that actually retail sales fell last month uh, at industrial production was probably flat at best. So, yes, there's a little bit more uh, signs of sort of infrastructure spending coming through and, and for this month at least maybe offsetting 
the ongoing downforce from uh, the travails of the property sector. But to be honest, there, there weren't any silver linings here. In fact, probably the opposite and uh, certainly didn't impress the currency markets. Where we've still got that um, you know, the Chinese one um, that obviously crossed the seven threshold on Thursday night and held through Friday, um, you know, which is part of the reason that, uh, that the Aussie dollar and the Kiwi yeah. dollar with their proven sensitivity to the one um you know, made new two plus year lows on yeah i was going to ask about that because we also had that big rise in bond yields as well didn't we last week in australia as well as that big fall in the aussie dollar so yeah is that is that just china or is it reflecting uh, the uncertainty in the u.s as well and that just the, the consequence of the general volatility that we're seeing globally i think all of the above I, you know i think it's certainly if you look across the whole of the major currency spectrum it was the sort of commodity sensitive or pro cyclical currencies so we're looking at mm. you know the canadian dollar the swedish kroner as well as the aussie and, and the kiwi and also the norwegian kroner which is obviously very sensitive to oil prices which fell last week so i think there was that you know it was a very risk negative you know if you knew that the u.s stock market was going to be down five percent on the week you'd you know you'd bet your bottom dollar on the aussie dollar being lower um and then i think the uh you know the chinese currency moves as well so i think uh, mm. put all those three things together and um You'd argue that the Aussie didn't do so bad in the circumstances. Yeah, yeah. So what's it going to do? Uh, but certainly very, very fundamentally justified. So what could it do this week? I mean, that's a, a real crystal ball question, isn't it, really, given the so many well, moving parts? Um, well, it, it does. It, it depends on, uh, you know, it, it really depends on how the US dollar mm. uh, behaves. You know, if we do see, you know, a deepening of, of the risk correction as a result of what the central banks do uh, and the messaging that's contained within their uh, you know, within their rates decisions, um, you know, stronger dollar, weaker equities uh, is a recipe for a further weakness in the Aussie. I mean, our FX strategy view for a while now has been that, you know, we think 65 to 70 is going to be the range that will contain most of the Aussie dollar price action and uh, a move closer to the to the bottom end of that range, at least, uh, is still something that uh, that looks more likely than not in coming well, weeks. Well, there's another element to all of this as well, isn't there, which is the geopolitics and what's unfolding in Ukraine. So uh, we know that uh, China has questioned uh, Russia's motives a little bit. So India is doing the same now. And of course, you know, all that we know that Ukraine has made considerable gains and we know there's uh, problems with morale on the Russian side. They left a lot of abandoned tanks, for example. And who knows what happens at the UN, because the General Assembly meets this week, kicking off on Tuesday. So Putin, you know, could he face deeper criticism than last time? Will he have fewer allies? Uh, we know Zelensky uh, is speaking uh, remotely to uh, to the to the Assembly. And uh, last time he tried to get Russia booted out of the UN Security Council. Let's talk about, well, maybe we'll just make the UN Security Council much, much bigger. So so they have a smaller smaller voice. So it's going to be an interesting week on both those counts, the General Assembly and also what happens with Ukraine. No, absolutely. And uh, interesting that, you know, compare and contrast the performance of the euro uh, versus sterling, for example. So, um, you know, anything there that creates a little bit of optimism that, um, you know, maybe, you know, there could be some uh, some positive news as far as, as the war rather than it's necessarily dragging out and not necessarily being purely on the uh, Vladimir Putin's terms, but obviously, if energy prices continue to come lower, you know that's reversing to some extent the uh, the big negative terms of trade shock that has been one of the influences depressing the euro. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, you know, euro dollar will be uh, continue to be sensitive to those developments. So, look, while everything is happening later on in the week, as we weave our way between central banks and uh, navigate between public holidays, uh, very quiet today. We get a New Zealand Performance Services Index this morning. We get some ECB speakers, those that didn't get invited to the Queen's funeral. Well, you wouldn't invite a central banker, would you, I guess? And uh, the US NAHB Housing Market Index as well. But otherwise, it's going to be a very quiet day. Or that could be famous last words. It is. 
Yes, yes. I don't really, <laughs> I don't really think that. I don't think the week, from a market point of view, uh, starts till tomorrow. Really begins until tomorrow, yeah. particularly with the you know with the UK market out mm. as it impacts on on foreign exchange. But yeah, but plenty to look forward to. But so data wise, not a, not a great. I think the flash PMIs that we're going oh, yeah. to get towards the end of the week yeah. are probably the pick of the crop as far as the week is concerned. Mm. But. Uh, it really is those central bank decisions that are, are looming large. They are indeed. Okay, thanks for that. We'll catch you again very soon. Thanks, Ray. Well, do. Thanks, Phil. There we are, neatly wrapped up in 16 minutes. And no queuing. Uh, that is the morning call for this Monday morning. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. I'll be back again tomorrow morning. See you then.